Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Lift your Bibles up. You have a Bible, lift your hand, and uh, let's make our confession of faith together. Because I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. Through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. Now, I want you to make these declarations before you're seated. And the uh, reason I want our students to do well is because I don't want them to, uh, and I want them to stay with us tonight. I don't want them to get broke, busted, jacked up, and all that, starting over at 30 and 40 and 50. We're going to declare they just get their stuff together while they 12, 13, 14, 15. All right, so, so lay your hands on yourself. I want you to make this declaration. Say, poverty, poverty. is not the life for me. Life. Say, stress, stress. lack, lack. Strain. strain, struggle was Adam's way. But I am a son of the Most High God. So that's not my way. I choose to drop poverty and walk in prosperity. I choose to drop lack to pick up overflow. I choose to be in the blessing and not in the curse. In Jesus' name, would you give him praise for those declarations over your life? That's the sorriest praise I've never heard. I said, you just declared some stuff over your own life, life and death, on the power of your tongue. You can be seated. I want us to jump into this master class tonight. And uh, I want to start by giving you, if, if you registered online, then uh, you got the materials. They were emailed to you not too long ago. So you can bring them up on your phone, your mobile device, email, whatever. Maybe you got your laptop with you or your iPad or whatever it is. So your iPad Pro, which is nothing more than just a big computer. So whatever you got, uh, get those out. If you didn't register for the free notes, then just, uh, you know, just watch, uh, just stay with me. All right. Now, I want to start with an interesting fact about money. Say, this is master class. 
All right, so you're going to master from surviving to thriving financially. How many people you'd like to be doing better financially? Okay. How many people are like, no, Bishop, I actually don't. I'm good. I don't need any. I'm good. I don't want to do better financially. Okay, good. I right, just want to check the room. All right. Now, uh, here's an interesting fact about income. First, more than 2.7 billion people live on less than $2 a day. All right. And 1.1 billion people live on less than a dollar a day. All right. Which which means if you make more than two dollars a day, uh, that means you are doing better than three point eight billion people in the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right. So touch the name and say you're already doing pretty good. Okay, you got roughly 7 billion or so, I don't know the net latest count of people in the earth, uh, but so you're doing pretty good already if you make more than $2, two, $2 a day. And, uh, and so that's important to understand, that's important to know. Now, I want to go into this next point about money management. Money management is spiritual. Say money management, money management. is spiritual. Now, here's just another important thing. One of the top subjects in the Bible uh, that the Bible mentions uh, is money. More than prayer, faith, heaven, or hell combined. And over 15% of Jesus' words were about money, uh, more than heaven and hell combined, which makes it foolish to think that preaching about money in church is taboo or inappropriate. In fact, this is where we should talk about it most because the Bible talks about it most. So let's talk about money. Say more money, more money, more money. Now, here's 2B, Matthew 6, 21. This is what Jesus said. For where? Your treasure is, which in the Greek language of our New Testament, treasure, he says, there your heart or mind will be also. In other words, he says that there is a direct correlation between your mind and your money. Okay, check this out. So if your money's out of order, guess what else is out of order? But if your mind is out of order, guess what else is out of order? Okay. Jesus said that these two things are located in the exact same place, which means if you want to fix what's going on with your money, what you really need to fix what's going on is with your mindset. And the reason you can't get your mind together is because you're stressed out about your money. It's quiet in the church. All right, C says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, uh, some of these scriptures that we're going to look at, we've talked about before. Uh, anybody ever heard somebody say, you know, the lo- uh, money is the root of all evil? Anybody ever said money is the root of all evil? Money is not the root of all evil. In fact, I think the lack of money is the root of all evil. Song says, for the love of money, people will rob from their own mama. Still from them, but I know it's a song, but it's a true point. Now, in that, it is not money that's the root of all evil. It is the, it is the love of money that's the root of what the scripture says, all kinds of evil. It says, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. I want you to look at this. He says, some folks have left God because they're greedy. Some folk ain't at church tonight because they're greedy and yet want to beg God to get them out of debt, to get them out of this, to get them out of that. And God says, I ain't got nothing for you. No, he would say, I ain't got nothing but love for you. That's about all I got because I ain't got financial breakthrough because you think that job's more important than me. You begged me for one. I gave it to you. and Now you cheat on me to go work for them. All right, y'all ain't saying nothing. That's cool. I'm all right with it. All right, now he says, some have strayed from the faith because they're greedy. And watch this, and pierce themselves with many sorrows. Look at this verse. He says, some folks, their, their pursuit of money has caused them to harm themselves. Watch this, watch this. He says, not only have they harmed themselves, but there's a lot of sorrow that they have because of their pursuit of money. Okay? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, watch this, watch this. You ever heard of, of white-collar criminals, okay? Those are those are normally corporate crimes, crimes that deal with money, things like that, etc. Now, what he says is, verse is back up. 
What he says is he says that because of this love of money, he says not only have some folk left God, he says, but they've also caused themselves pain and sorrow all because of a love of money. But then he says, if you want to look for evil, he said, normally there's going to be something that has to do with a love of money. Are, are you testing that? Okay. So you think the evil are ghosts and gamblers. No, the evil is somebody loves their money. It's quiet right through here. All right, touch your neighbor and say, don't love that money. Okay, now this is so important because this next verse tells us, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. He's going to hate one and love the other. This is Jesus talking again. Say, these are Jesus' words. All right, or he will stand by one and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. The verse, the, the uh, then subsequent verse, then uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. Say God versus mammon. All right, mammon is not uh, money. Mammon is the love of money. So he says you can't love God and love money. You either love one and hate the other or you hate one and love the other, but you can't do both at the same time. Let me parenthetically insert this in here for you too. That you can't have people in your life that are play both sides of the table. I'm throwing this in there for free. You cannot be on my team and also be on the team of my enemy. By default, that means you are my enemy. It's real quiet right through here, all right? There's no such thing as, well, you know, that's just I got my own private friendship with you and my own private friendship with them. I tell you what, well, I'm canceling you. I'm like Nino Brown. I'll cancel you and buy another because you don't get to be on both sides of the cable. I just saved somebody right there, a whole lot of drama. You better kick them out in January, but before, don't even take them into February. It's some folk you need to call and just say, you know what? This ain't a good fit no more because you want to be friends with my enemy. And to be friends with my enemy is to make yourself my enemy. So this ain't no good fit. Be encouraged. <laughs> Jesus, here it is. Here it is. He says, you, 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 can't, you, you can't play both sides of the table, which means watch this. Do you love the Savior? Or, watch this, you still here? You still here? Do you love the Savior or do you love your savings? Do you love the master or do you love the money? It's quiet up in here. Okay. It's super quiet. Because it's amazing the stuff you'll figure out how to pay for when you really like it, when you really love it. It's amazing how people, you know, will complain about money and then miss master class, learning about money, and then got the nerve to come get in the prayer line to get prayer for money. I got a prayer for you. Get. <laughs> Do you love the Christ? Or do you love the cash money, dollar dollar bills, yo? Jesus said, you got to pick one. Notice what he didn't compare himself to. He didn't compare himself to the devil. He compared himself to the way you love your money. The reason he wouldn't compare himself to the devil is because the devil is on heaven's payroll. He's still an angel. Greek mythology called him a devil. Right? He's, he's an archangel that still goes to the regular board meetings in heaven. Now, now, here we are. Look at this next part here. Uh, life seems better. Life seems better when you're not just surviving financially. 
Now notice, seems is bolded and, and just surviving financially. Life seems better when you're not just surviving financially. Now, Ecclesiastes uh, 10, 19, it says this, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers what? Money answers what? Money answers what? Money answers what? Quiet, church. Money answers what? I mean, y'all talking kind of weak. Money answers what? There you go. I mean, it ain't even snowing. It's been great weather today. Why are y'all acting like that? (laughs) Money answers what? Okay, now, here's what's significant about that. Um, If money answers everything, got it? Uh, Our enemy... Satan, the Hasetam, the accuser of the brethren, the adversary. If money answers everything, what does he really get afraid of? A Christian with some money. It's quiet in the church. All right, let's go to Brown. I don't, let's go to Brown. Here we go. <laughs> Somebody shouted over using Brown. Okay. There we go. Good. Black was disobedient. All right. Now, 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 watch this. He doesn't fear a Christian that prays. He doesn't fear a Christian that worships. He doesn't fear a Christian that shouts. Those things are good and you should do those things. But if money answers everything, then the thing, uh, watch this, because, because watch this, watch this. People talk about a lot of stuff going on in the world. Well, the scripture says a lot of that stuff could just be fixed with. Amen. Now, money answers everything. Money isn't everything, but money answers everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, listen, m- having more money ain't going to necessarily make you happy, but it ain't going to necessarily make you sad either. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, all right. So money, the verse here, money answers what? Everything. Now, which means then there's some things in your life that the answer to is you getting your money together. There's some stuff you're praying about that heaven says, well, if you just do what we said, you get your money together, you wouldn't be praying about that. It's quiet up in the church. Okay. All right. So we got to take you from uh, surviving to thriving. So let's define surviving. Uh, Surviving means to manage to keep going in difficult circumstances. To manage to keep going in difficult circumstances. That's what happens for most people financially. They just manage to keep going through difficult circumstances. That's why they can't wait to get their W-2 because they just cannot wait to file them taxes. To only do what? Waste it and be right back in the same situation in November talking about I can't wait until January. But touch neighbor say that's over in your life. And and listen, maybe that's not your story because I know the people of Harvest are very, very blessed people. So maybe that's not your story. But you got to step out of just having what you need to overflow because you can't be a blessing if you only got what you need. To be a blessing, you got to be in overflow. Somebody holler overflow. All right, so, so thriving means this, to prosper and to flourish. So here's the question, which is scriptural? The question is, as they put it on the screens, the question is, which is scriptural? Now, which is, which is scriptural, surviving or thriving? 
Okay. Well, how do we know that? Psalm 35, 27 tells us that. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, so which one is scriptural? Thriving. Okay. Uh, Bishop, how do you know that? See prosperity there in Psalm 35, 27? C4 means to prosper and to flourish? Whoop, there it is. What is not scriptural? Surviving. Okay. So, so, so I want to look at this word. You know, I remember years ago there was this group came out. I'm a survivor. I ain't going to give up. I ain't going to stop. I'm going to work harder. All this here. Out of order. Thriving. Say, that's my life from this moment forward. All right. Say it again. Say, that's my life from this moment forward. Now, here, here's why you got to get your mind around this. Because, watch this, Satan would love for Christians to get at a mentality where they think that we're not supposed to thrive where we think we're supposed to struggle, where we think we're supposed to be, you know, what say, robbing Peter to pay Paul. No, the men of God shouldn't be robbed. <laughs> Both of them are men of God. Neither one of them should be robbed, okay? All right, now, let's look at this. Prosperity, it's got it here in your notes, equals doing well in all things. Shalom, safety, favor, healthy, whole in body, soul, spirit, relationships, finances, all things. That's prosperity. So don't get limited to money. Okay, but remember, but remember, but remember the importance of money. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Heart means mind in the, uh, both the languages of our Old Testament, which is Hebrew, New Testament, Greek. So in that, watch this, if money's out of whack, so will these other things. Do you understand this? Okay? And I don't just mean if you ain't got a bunch of money in the bank. I mean if you are a miserable money manager, you probably also have health issues. You probably also have relationship issues. It's quiet in here. Now, just because you're a good one doesn't mean that, you, that you're good in all those other things. But the scripture says, where your mind is, there your heart is also. So, in other words, he says there's this correlation between mindset and money, between mentality and money. Now, the antonym for the word, which means the opposite of the word delight, is dislike. Okay? And we understand prosperity already means shalom, safety, favor, health, whole, and all that. Now, God says he delights in the prosperity of his servant, which means his, he dislikes you not being in prosperity. Okay? So if you ever hear people talk about, oh, do you believe in that prosperity gospel? Here's my question. What other type of gospel is there? Like the struggle gospel? Where'd you get that from? No, where'd you get that from? Oh, the, 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 the living with your mama and them gospel? Where'd you get that from? Living with your dad and them gospel? Where'd you get that from? And I'm not beating you up if that's your story, but, but I'm here to tell you, you're going from surviving into thriving. Can't go to the store and get what you want, gospel? Where'd you get that from? Got to beg and plead just to get $20 off? No, you're you finna walk on a whole level of prosperity where you just walk in and say, you know what? I want all of that over there and hurry up and get it packaged. 
not because I'm arrogant, not because uh, I'm prideful, no, but if he died for me to have life and life more abundantly, doggone it, that's what I expect to receive. So, so, but that's because people think prosperity means it's cash, cars, and clothes. No, it's more than that. And we're dealing with money now, but it's more than that. Say it's more than that. But remember, the only individual in the entirety of the universe that would have a problem with a Christian having something is Satan. So that's why the news media likes to say stuff, all those Christians preaching a prosperity gospel. You don't say that to the Muslims. You don't say that to the Jews. So you ain't going to say it to the Christians. They know that when the church gets money, the church can start answering stuff. You don't say that to Donald. Now he'll be President Trump in a few days. I got another day. And we honor him. The Bible says don't speak evil against the leaders. We thank God for him. I want him to do well. Touch them, say, I want him to do well too. No, don't, don't, be, don't be hating on him now. Y'all did this, so now you got to pray for him. Amen. I mean, don't get political. Man. Oh, I'm offended. But listen, stop it. I'm not the one for all that. So just, just pray for your leaders, what the Bible says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so who would want you not having good money management? Satan, okay? So if, if you got a family member coming against you, getting your money together, you know what spirit they operating in, the devil. Got it? You got a coworker that don't want you getting your money together, that's the devil. Quiet, church. Now, uh, he says he delights in the prosperity, has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Servant there is ebed, the Hebrew word ebed. I've taught you that before, which means uh, bond servant. This means that's one that serves. Now, so, so check this out. Leave that up. God says, I delight in the prosperity of those that serve me. So let me just give you this quick point. God says for him to get involved with you thriving financially and you don't serve you're only going to go but so far. Got real quiet right there. Okay, okay, say serving. Okay, now he says he delights in the prosperity of his servant, not, watch this, his son or daughter. Why is that significant? Because a son always serves. A daughter always serves. But are you getting the point? Okay, so he delights in the pleasure of those that serve. So if you do not serve, you're only going to go but so far in terms of maximizing what God has made available through his word. Okay, so I encourage you, if you do not serve, I encourage you, it's currently called KLU in a few weeks, a couple weeks, it's going to be called Harvest You. But until then, I encourage you to uh, go take KLU and begin serving. Why? Be because to access, go back up to that verse so I can see it, please. To get that verse, there it is. We, I'm, I want them to just put exactly what you got in your hands on there so you can look at it or your phones or whatever. Just right there. That's all. Just right there. Uh, to let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continue let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his what servant okay which means I can only go so far in my prosperity if I don't serve and in fact you're probably not really prospering if you don't serve you're probably just riding on the fumes of a couple of good decisions Okay, all right, now let's look at this. John, uh, 3 John 1 and 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. That word in the Greek there means success in business and finances, be profitable, and that you would be on the right path. It means 
that you would have success in business dealings. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go in business. Everybody is not supposed to be an entrepreneur. Okay, everybody's not supposed to be a business owner. Everybody's not supposed to be a chief executive. Everybody's not even supposed to be a junior executive. Everybody ain't supposed to be a manager. It's quiet in the church. Some of y'all don't have the temperament for that. Because you, you, you don't understand that a lot of times leadership is just repeating yourself. <laughs> and keep repeating yourself when you want to cuss, but you just got to just say the instruction again. All right? So, <laughs> so leadership requires patience. It's quiet in the church. All right? And senior leadership requires senior patience. Chief executive leadership regards chief executive patience, all right? Now, he says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper, success in business. So that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to own a business, be an entrepreneur. It just means in your business dealings. So let's, let's talk about some business dealings. The biggest building, business dealings you'll ever have are going to be your home, car, all right? What else? Huh? Kids? Oh, they are very expensive decisions. Very expensive. If you play, you better be ready to pay. Okay? I think the latest statistic I read, don't quote me on this. It's been a while since I've looked at it. The latest statistic I remember reading was that I think the average child is like $18,000 a year in expenses. So, wow. Well, <laughs> be encouraged. <laughs> Thank God for King's kids. I mean, okay, I <laughs> Now, all right, what, what else? What else? Business, business dealings. Business dealings. What else? Business dealings. Insurance. That's great. School. School. All right. Again, job negotiations. Very good. All right. We'll stay right there. All right. So, so success in these things. So 3 John 1, 2, he's saying, beloved, I pray that you would prosper. All right. Have success in business dealing and finances. Be profitable and be on the right path. So let's look at this. <clears throat> so this is God's desire for me. Now, this isn't God actually writing this. This is one of the men of God writing this, but he is writing to somebody and it intimates and it illustrates God's desire for us. So when it comes to your home, so God says, I'd like for you to have success in that. I'd like for you to then, watch this, be profitable in that. Which means I want you to make something where you can get that bad boy, hold on that bad boy, fix that bad boy up, and then cash out of that joker. Okay, okay, you know, why buy it to pay it off? You buy it to trade up. Okay, okay, all right, all that, okay, all right, and then be on the right path, which means in all of these things that I'm on the right path. So right is relative, right, because uh, the right path is relative to wherever your background is. So to some people, the right path is, you know what? Uh, you know, they don't believe, you know, they just, they were taught that, you know, you just, um, you know, you don't, you know, you're just supposed to have, you know, you know, let's just say you just get one car and keep it forever. Well, that's relative, relative, meaning depending on wherever you're from. So the right path then for us then would be according to God's design. Make sense? Okay. So in that, so then he says, also, I want you to have that with your car. I want you to be successful as relates to that. So I want you to buy a lemon. Okay, you know, buying a lemon is a car 
that's always got problems. It's sour. I want you to be profitable. Now, that's interesting because in cars, cars are, de- you know, are, are depreciate, you know, they depreciate rapidly. All right. So there's no such thing as, as it, when you deal with profit as it relates to a car, because the whole nature of a car is that the moment you get it, it just loses value until it can't lose no more value. OK. All right. But then that you be on the right path. So then the question would be, well, then, Bishop, how would I be profitable? You're profitable because you make the decision that costs you the least for you to obtain the most. OK. All right. And then be on the right path. All right. So just because watch this, you live in Colorado doesn't mean you need an SUV. I just need a truck because if I have a truck, it's going to be easier through the snow. No, not really. In fact, you might spend out a little bit more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so, so, so then with kids, all right, all right, so, so, you know, that you have success there, okay, that they'd be profitable there. So the goal is you raise them up so then they can help you. You don't put in all that work for them just gone. No, you better. T- <laughs> Tina's mama said, now don't forget those that help you to get to where you are. <laughs> all right? And then be on the right path. Okay? So parents, you're stewards. They're not your kids. You're just what they rode in on. Okay? Bible says, in Psalms, Scripture says that children are the inheritance of the Lord which means they belong to him. So he just trusted you to steward and to manage them, but he expects them to be back to him greater than what he gave them to you as. Okay, all right. With insurance, are we getting the point, church? Uh, That you'd have success, that it'd be profitable, that you'd be on the right path, okay? Just because they offer it doesn't mean you need it. And sometimes, you know, you, you need more than what you think you need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Y'all go ahead and throw that up. Psalm 127 and 3 about the, uh, that. You can put that up there about the children being the inheritance of the Lord. They're going to show you this. But children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is reward. All right. Now, uh, with school, that you have success. Let me say this. Some people, school is nothing more than a way to avoid making tough choices. I'm going to go back to school. My God, like you should be a doctor by now. No, I'm saying like you should have two or three PhDs. It's quiet in the church. I don't use school as an excuse to not make a decision. I'm going back to going back to get what? And how exactly is that going to help you and what it is you're you're attempting to do? Well, I'm not sure what I want to do. Well, going and getting another bill ain't necessarily the smart thing to do. Now, I know you probably expected me to say something different as a erudite learned man. Some of you are like, what is erudite? Bishop can fly? No, E-R-U-D-I-T-E, okay? All right? No, so, so I'm, not, I'm not against it. What I'm saying is, is that God desires for you to make, to have success in it. I remember I was chatting with somebody uh, earlier, this, or earlier in 2016. They were saying, I'm going to go back to school and do this and this and that. And I said, so why are you going to do that? And they were saying, oh, I want to do this and that. I said, listen, let me just tell you the truth. And they said, well, what do you think? I said, you, you sure you want to know what I think? Is, uh, yes, what do you think? I said, I'm going to tell you what I think. Is I think you and I both know that you're going to go and you're not going to complete it because that's, not, that's just not you. That's not something that you're going to do. You're not going to complete that, and then you're going to be out of it. So they went and got enrolled, got all these student loans, and by November I said, how's school going? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I said, I know you don't because you should listen, but, you know, whatever. You know, good luck with that. 
Now go pay Sally her money. Okay? All right? Success in that. So success means I'm doing something that is actually going to have a purpose. Got it? Just because you get a degree in business don't mean you're going to get a job in business. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying most people in America go to school as an excuse to avoid having to make tough decisions in life. So I'll just go to school. It's quiet in here. All right. All right. But I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying just be mindful of what you're doing. Okay. All right. And then to be profitable. So the purpose of going to higher education is so that you can obtain a degree that's going to help you increase your earning capacity. So if you don't obtain a degree that's going to help you uh, increase your earning capacity, it's not profitable. In fact, quite the contrary, you're losing money. It's quiet here. Okay? All right, and then that you'd be on the right path. So, you know, I'm getting a degree. I'm not going to call out any particular majors, but there's certain majors that everybody just says, I'm going to get the degree in this. You don't even like people. Why'd you get a degree? You you learn to love God, love people, love life. Like, why would you get a degree in something that requires you to consistently interact with people? It's quiet in the church. All right, and then same thing uh, from a job or a a career. The uh, the point that was stated was dealing with negotiations or what have you and that kind of thing so that it be success, profitable, and the right path. And success as it relates to job isn't always, watch this, it isn't always necessarily uh, something that you think you're going to be good at. Because often you're only good at what you know. So you're, you're passionate about what you know, but because you don't know anything more, you have limited passions. Y'all miss what I just said. So sometimes people say, I'm really passionate about this. So what? Be pa- learn, get good at something and you'll be passionate about it. It's quiet in church. Okay, whatever you're good at, you're passionate about because you, when you succeed at it, you now uh, get addicted to the feeling of success in doing what you're doing. So if you want to be passionate about something, get good at it. So instead, don't pursue your passion. Instead, pursue assignment. When you pursue assignment, then passions will manifest naturally. All right, let's move on. So number five, practically define thriving for you. For you. Okay. Now, what does that mean, Bishop? How do I practically define that? So here's what somebody are writing: just just enough money to be a blessing. Okay, that is just arbitrary, just words on paper. Don't don't waste the. Well, we didn't print it, but don't 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 waste your own paper writing that on there. So to practically define thriving for you, I, I want you to not answer that yet. I want you to go through the rest of this, and then I want you to come back and answer number five. Okay. But, but we're going to practically define what thriving for you is, all right? So if you've made nothing but bad money decisions the last 20 years of your life, and then you say, you know, Bishop, by you know, the end of January 2017, I just am, I'm just going to be debt-free. That's possible. That's very touching him. So that's possible. It's improbable, though. Okay? All right? So we want to set something that's realistic there. Say, I am thriving. Now, number six, we're going to come back to number five. Y'all don't let me forget that to come back to number five. Number six, if you're not thriving financially, who is responsible for it? We learned last week that the only obstacle to you accomplishing anything is you. You. Say, say it's me. All right, so let's get into correcting this mentality. Say, I'm correcting my mentality. We got to correct your mentality about money. So are y'all all right, Master Class tonight? 
right. So the, every time in the heart, most of the times in scripture, when we see the word heart, it is this word in the Hebrew language, le, which means mind. So the issues we face come from the neck up. Okay. Proverbs says, for out of the heart flow the issues of life. All right. Uh, uh, and so in that, we learn that the issues we face come from the neck up. Now, one of the richest men to ever live was King Solomon, and he sought God for wisdom, not money. Watch this. Poverty seeks money. Prosperity seeks wisdom. So when we talk about prosperity, remember, we're not just dealing with cash, cars, and clothes. We are dealing with this mentality, this mindset. So if you're seeking money, you're in poverty. If you're seeking wisdom, you're in prosperity. Money just wants the goal. Wisdom wants to know how to get to the goal so I can repeat it. You can tell somebody that's prosperous because of the quality of questions that they ask. They don't want to just know the end. They want to know how do I get there so then that way I can repeat it without having to ask again. Doesn't anybody say you're prosperous? All right, all right, all right, all right. So you ever met somebody where you're trying to explain something to them and, and while you're trying to explain it to them, they're like, I don't care about that. Just, just, just this is what I want. And you're trying to explain something to them that, you know, okay, I'm trying to help you out now. Here's the process to get that. They're like, I don't care. Can you just do it for me? Well, that's why you can't have it. Because you don't want to get wisdom. See, wisdom is the appropriate application of knowledge. Wisdom is a shortcut. When you're wise, you'll get places further. You'll get places faster because you have wisdom. Got it? See, poverty talks. Wisdom listens. Poverty has all the answers. Wisdom thinks it knows nothing. That's why it lives as a student. It's quiet, church. It's quiet, church. Okay, all right. Now, the result of poverty is lack. So catch it out. Poverty is a mentality, but the result of it's lack. Now, I, I want to say something. One of the most dangerous things to be is a know-nothing, know-it-all. It's quiet in church. I, there, there are pastors that have come to me and said, Bishop, can you do this, do this, do that? And I try to walk them and show them, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. And, and they just don't want to listen. Nothing I have to say. This is what I'm, now I'm, I'm going to do. I'm saying, okay, I said, well, then look. I said, look, you're the one in your predicament. I'm not in that predicament. And I'm not in that predicament because, watch this, I realize when I'm in the room with someone smarter than me, I should shut up. When I'm in the room with someone that's got more accomplished than me, I should be quiet. When I'm in the room, see, I'm not, I don't need to show up and, and say everything I know. When I'm in the presence of someone greater than me, I should be quiet and take the second seat. See, poverty wants to show up and throw up and say everything it thinks it knows. Poverty people, you also know them because they're good gossipers. Got it? Prosperous people, watch this. They're so busy handling their business, they don't really care about what's going on in your business. So a prosperous person, you have to update them on what's going on. A person in poverty knows all the business about everybody. I'm talking better than you saying amen. So the result of poverty is lack. Do you understand that? The result of poverty is lack. See, poverty isn't lack itself. The result of poverty is lack. All right? Now, but poverty itself is a mindset which conditions you to think in your current circumstances reflect the highest level to which you can go. Got it? So when you have a poverty mentality, you don't strive to do better because you're satisfied with status quo. Status quo means slow death. Are you here, church? Poverty, here's the next thing, uh, B2. Poverty is slavery, and that slavery is to Egypt. And anytime you reference Egypt from a spiritual sense, it means this in uh, the Hebrew language. It means narrow, tight, stronghold, and stress. 
that when you're in poverty, you are a slave to being a narrow, tight strongholds that stress you out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so when Friday comes, you shout. And by the time Tuesday gets here, you fasting and praying, hoping they can't find the car. It's quiet up in here. You put the check in on church on Sunday and you're just hoping that Monday's a holiday. It's quiet. The Israelites left Egypt with riches, but they were still in poverty because they desired to return to Egypt, which means money alone doesn't fix poverty. Are you getting this principle? Because some people think if I just had a million dollars, I'd be fine. No, you wouldn't. You'd find a way to give it to somebody prosperous. I like, watching these, I, like, I like watching these shows. I've told you this before. I like watching these shows about winning the lotto. And the reason I like watching them is because they talk about how uh, these people get all this money in the lotto, and a lot of times in, in a couple years, it's gone. Now, watch this. Didn't money answer it? Money answered the fact that they were in poverty. They proved it with what they did with it. You missed it. Money, I thought money answers everything. It does. Money was answering the question of if they were prosperous or in poverty. They proved they were in poverty. Are you catching this, church? All right, all right, all right, all right. So, 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 so they were still in poverty because they desired to return to Egypt, which is why for the rest of their existence, they went up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, because they never broke free of that poverty. And it was in their kids. 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 Not realizing that that was not the life for them. Say poverty, poverty. is not the life for me. Because when you think of poverty, most of the time you're like, no, Bishop, I'm not in poverty. I got, a, I got a house. I got a car. I got this. I got that. You think, Bishop, I'm not in poverty. Not realizing that it's actually a mentality. Okay. The result of poverty is lack. Are you getting it, church? Number three, poverty can also be a generational curse that's passed down from one generation to the next. Poverty is taught and poverty is caught. Got it? See, here's my question. What did you observe as a child that shaped how you handle your money? It's quiet in here. Did you always see, 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 caller ID revealed a lot of folks that was in poverty. Because whenever, watch this, 800 numbers would pop up on the phone. You'd be like, I get the phone, daddy, I get the phone, I get the phone, mama. No, let that ring. Okay? All right? What did you learn as a child? Did you see that the rims cost more than the car? It's quiet, church. <laughs> what did you learn? Did, well, I mean, did you, you know, did you, uh, maybe, maybe, did, did you see extravagance, unnecessary extravagance? You know, uh, you know, where they were trying to, you know, approve all this stuff to all these people. And so now, you know, you know, they getting all this stuff and getting this. So we're going to do this, do this, do that and do that and do that and getting all this extra stuff for people that, that weren't even grateful. It's, it's quiet, church. What did you observe as a child that shaped how you view money? Okay. What conversations did your parents or whoever raised you, did they not have with you about money? About credit, okay? People, you understand, with good credit, life can, can, can feel better. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay? You don't go to the car dealer hoping and wishing. See, I, I was trying to <laughs> I, 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 I help somebody negotiate a deal. 
And he said, well, Bishop, you know, you, that's what you, I said, I know, I said, but you understand, if I'm going to negotiate it, I said, you understand, it's going to be done a little different way. And they were saying, well, no, because they're doing me a favor. I said, oh, no, you don't understand. I said, just, just please don't say nothing. They said, because, no, 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 when we're spending our money, we're not done favors. So I was trying to walk through this process and all that, but, but I had to step back and realize that, that the, re the reason they had this mentality about money was because what they were taught is, is, is that, you know, because they were used to, you know, having, you know, messed up credit, messed up money, all that, but they didn't understand that, that you know, you go into life and you navigate through life and you do that from the perspective when you got good money and when you got good money management and your credits together, no, you're going to give me what I want. I'm in, I'm in the driver's seat when I got good credit. And sometimes, watch this, watch this. Such a neighbor say, I'm in a banner year. Say, I'm building. Because see, sometimes you can even have things go wrong a little bit, like that sign just went wrong just a minute ago. But touch a neighbor say, but I'm still building. Yeah, you might get a little nick on your credit, but you're still building. You might have a little rough patch financially, but you're still building. Prophesy this over yourself. Say, I'm thriving from this moment forward. All right, now. So what did you observe as a child that shaped how you handle your money? What else? Talk to me, church. What else did you handle? I know that's a little unusual, but just talk to me. What else did you observe as a child that shaped how you handle your money? Two more folks. Paycheck to paycheck. Eating out. Always spending. Nothing. <laughs> when is due. All right? All right? Okay, watch this. Why do, why do seven-year-olds know when it's rent time? Because you're stressing them out. They talking about, let's go to McDonald's. Like, Look, anybody got no McDonald's money? <laughs> trying to pay this rent. You sitting here trying to eat out. Make you a bologna sandwich. Mama, I had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Boy, you better get in there and fry it <laughs> and put some mustard on it. And <laughs> why don't you go on and toast the bread? Because <laughs> is there anybody that knows something about a fried bologna sandwich? <laughs> and where it's so good, it ain't a sandwich, it's a sandwich. Stop taking me up. Keep me low. Keep me low. <laughs> so for those of you trying to figure that out, it's S-A-M-M-I-C-H, sandwich. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so, then that means, watch this, poverty can be a generational curse. So then... Watch this, curse mindsets, curse mentality. And what does curse mean? An empowerment to fail. So then it gets passed down. Then it gets passed down. Then it gets passed down. And then you were born. And when you were born, an interruption to the dysfunction was born. When you were born, a curse breaker was born. Now, in this, poverty is not necessarily a lack of vision or motivation. Rather, it's not knowing how to walk to talk. Okay? I mean, also say this, poverty is not some enlightened spiritual state. Oh, you know, people say, oh, I just, I've taken a vow of poverty. Well, you dumb. <laughs> Go read. Bishop, that's pretty rough. Well, no, it's rough to say stuff is spiritual and it ain't in the book. It's quiet in the church. Okay? Bible says that the apostles did so well that when the church needed stuff to be financed, they did so well they could do it. Jesus did so well, he could hire 12 guys full-time uh, and, and start his ministry because he did so well as it related to ministry and finance, uh, business and finance and all that. So, so don't let anybody tell you when they were building the temple and stuff, that was solid gold. 
So don't anybody tell you, God, you know, oh, no, I just, oh, no, mm -mm, you should read. Now, and, and, and say, it's not really my money. It's his money. I'm a steward. In Luke 19, I won't go there, but you, the scripture is referenced there. Luke 19, 12 through 27, it tells this parable uh, about this master. And he says, do business until I come. And it was his money. So it was his money. Now, it's the same thing with uh, us and, and money. It's not really ours. It's God's. So you can't manage it carelessly as if you don't have to give accountability to somebody. You ever said something to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to do this because no, nobody knows. I mean, and you think it in yourself. You're like, well, it's my money. Okay? Actually, no, it's not. It's his money. And the way you manage it is telling him whether or not you should be trusted with more. It's quiet in the church. Say stewardship. Say management. It's kind of like in business, right? So in business, you know, if you have a publicly traded company, the shareholders are technically the owners of the company. The chief executive reports to a board, and, um, and that board then is supposed to be responsible for controlling the overall decisions of the business. The chief executive is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the business. Mid-level managers push that through down to the subordinates. Now, in all of that, what's significant about it is this is that it really belongs to the shareholders. So they have to give an account to the shareholders, which means if the shareholders don't like the job that somebody's doing, then their responsibility, depending on the corporate structure, is to get the board to fire who's in charge. Why? Because he's not stewarding what we own well. Question, if God was to do an audit on you right now, would you keep your job? And by job here, your literal job? <laughs> But then also, your the money you have under your control right now. If he was to audit it, like, would he find bills stuffed in the table? Am I beating you up, church? Say, this is master class. Would he find, you know, your budget written on a napkin from the restaurant? It's quiet in the church. What would he find if he audited you right now? Would you be able to keep your job if heaven did an audit? Can audit means to go in and check the books. Let's check the records. So this is what you say it is. We're auditing to check and see if this is what it really is. Touch your neighbor say what a T.I. is. So since it's not your money, let me have some money. You got some money? You got some cash money? Cash money? Cash money? You got some cash money? I didn't, I didn't know I was going to bring it. That's okay. If you're going to cash, I take a Visa, MasterCard, American Express. <laughs> Thank you, son. Excellent. Very good. All right. So somebody say some money. All right. So this isn't really yours. This is God's. And I love it in America because then we say it on the back. Well, I mean it or not, it's on the money. And God we trust. Okay. Out of many one. Now, in all of this, say this is God's. Okay, that, those cards in your wallet, that's God's. Amen. Got it? That checkbook is God's. Amen. If you're getting paid on Friday, that's God's. Amen. If you got paid on, uh, what was the 15th? 15th was Sunday, Monday was a holiday. Yesterday, <laughs> or I guess maybe the Friday prior, that's God's. Say, so it's not mine. When you have that mentality, watch this. You'll stop making emotional money decisions because it's not yours to be emotional about. See, I can't be emotionable, emotionable. <laughs> I can't be emotional about what's not mine. 
Okay? It's very simple. I have to use good practices because it's not mine. Does that make sense? If I got that. Okay? If you were driving your boss's car, you can be, you know, I just really feel like I should just take it to this car wash. That ain't the one he said take it to. He said take it over there. So that's where you take it. You can't be emotional about it because it's not yours. You'll catch the point in a minute. You'll catch the point in a minute. You can't be emotional about what's not yours. So if, if, if you're uh, in somebody else's house, you just say, I really just feel like this wall should be this. Well, it ain't yours to feel that. So you can have your opinion all you want, but I tell you what, you, you buying the paint and you're going to put it on the wall. Other than that, it's not yours to be emotional about. It's too, watch this. Your neighbor used to get too emotional about money because they thought the money was theirs. But it is not. Say it is God's. And Luke 19 illustrates that principle. Now, I want to move to this next thing, to transfer from the curse to the blessing. So, so has your mindset about money, we've hit a lot of things, but the main thing I need you to get out of that, it is not your money, and that poverty is a mindset that ends up in lack, and that's not the life God has designed for you. God wants you to what? Prosper. Say, he wants me to? He wants me to? He wants me to? Say, I am prosperous. All right, now. I want to teach you how to transfer from the curse to the blessing. Uh, I knew this was going to talk about giving absolutely because if you don't tithe, you're cursed. So absolutely, I'm going to talk about it because I can give you all these principles all day long and none of them are going to, you ain't going to see no real traction on them. Okay? All right, so I got to teach you the principles. Giving faithfully is what makes giving work just like at the gym. Uh, Monday night, we have wonderful, uh, wonderful class and um, amen for banner bodies for a banner year. Yes, it is a plug because you should be here. All right, we should all be here because somebody told me after class, they said, Bishop, you know, it makes a difference when you're in a room full of other like-minded people. I said, I know it does. Versus being at the gym with Pookie and, 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 and Sheila and Steve and Kellyanne and all them. And, and you know, and, and they just got piss poor attitudes and all this and all that. It's, it's another thing when you're in a room full of folk, when it gets hard, they start shouting Jesus. Like they started having praise and worship. Talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I said, I, you, but you better go on and get, you better go on and. And I was so committed to it, I had a call, I had a call on this past Monday, a, a pastor's call, uh, but I was watching in my, in my office, I was looking on the screen and I was just sitting there, I had my headset on, I was, <laughs> I was doing my moves. All right, now, now. So you don't go to the gym once and expect to be in great shape. And if you do, you're crazy. La la land, drink a Drano. Put it away. Okay, you're not doing I went to the gym. Walking around swole. <laughs> and you did, you did two sets of ten. I mean, really? Shirt busted all out to the gym. Oh, yeah. yeah. Went to the gym. Got my tools. Got my tools. Got my tools. <laughs> Where's my tape measure? Is my tape measure missing? Somebody didn't took my tape measure. Okay. Anyway. Now, watch. <laughs> Say giving faithfully. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I want my tape measure back. Thank you. Thank you, God. Got my tools. Got my tools. I used to always, I used to always see folk, you know, building stuff, working on stuff, and they had this. And I used to watch that show, This Old House. 
in the construction zone, they always had their tape measures on them. And it'd be like, oh, so this is just three quarters of an inch and all this here. I was like, huh, I want me a tape measure. <sighs> Got my tools, went to the gym. <laughs> all right, now. <laughs> now, all right, say giving faithfully. Now, there's, a, there's something in here that's done intentionally. I want you to see it in a minute. B, sacrificial giving combined with prayers cause divine interruptions to dysfunction. All right? Now, uh, I, I want to teach you this principle because you say transferring from the curse, from the curse to the blessing. To the blessing. Malachi chapter 3 says that if you withhold your faithful giving, you're cursed with a curse. He doesn't say what the curse would be, uh, but that curse is an empowerment to fail. Okay? So everybody who just says, well, I just, I just can't afford to, you can have whatever reason you want to. The truth is you don't want to, and that's why you don't do it. And that's okay because God says that's fine. You're cursed. Okay, so I mean, it's just that simple. So it's not that deep, and I just feel in my heart. I, you can feel whatever you want to feel. Feel paper, feel lead, write on yourself. You can do whatever you want to do. Get a tattoo. I don't really care. The point is, is that if you don't give faithfully, you're cursed. He said that, not me. Amen. So don't be mad at me. I can't believe it. I don't believe it. You ain't got to believe it. You ain't got to believe in gravity. Get on the building and jump. But don't do it during church. We got we to finish. <laughs> Wait until afterwards. And the welcome team finishes. Clean the building. Get the building. Okay. All right. Now, the welcome to was like, oh, no, no, you better do, you better do that on your own time. <laughs> That's not part of my checklist. Okay. Acts 10, 1 through 4. The <laughs> there was a certain man in Caesarea, uh, Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion uh, who, of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms, that's offerings, generously to the people and prayed to God always. And now, alms was a specific type of giving uh, that existed in, in the Hebrew uh, culture and in that Greco-Roman culture. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed it, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers, watch this, and your alms, which is your what? Did I just tell you an alms is? Your giving have come up for a memorial before God. Now, that means, watch this, your offering. Okay, and we're going to get into the different ways in a minute, but there's something that's done here intentionally on purpose. Your offering combined with your prayers, the scripture says, have the power to interrupt heaven's agenda. Amen. What do you mean interrupt heaven's agenda? He said your prayers and your giving have come up for a memorial before God. In other words, it means Today, we were going over, just get this imagery in your mind for a moment. It's not like it works this way, but I want you to get this imagery. Imagine God is in the third heaven. He's got the archangels gathered around him. And your sacrificial giving with your prayers was so significant, it came up in the meeting with the archangels. And God said, go visit them because what they've been doing has come up before us. Now, why would money move God like that? Because wherever your treasure is, there your mind or heart is. Which means God said to Cornelius, Cornelius, I can see that your heart is with me. And your sacrificial giving and that have made me, have now come up before me. Now, touch your neighbor and say, that's pretty impressive. Which means there is a way to get on the docket. Now, Bishop, are you saying I'm buying a miracle? No, you don't have enough to afford one. No, you're not buying a miracle. You're following a principle. Does that make sense? Say, I'm following a principle. And when you follow the principles, you get the results of the principles. Here's the next item on the list. 
Giving faithfully is what makes giving work, just like at the gym. No, you missed it. We already went over that point. What are we doing? We're going over it again. Why? Because the first time we didn't have the principles attached. So watch this. We need, watch this. Go back up so we can see the first one. I want you to see this. It's on here intentionally because you can't just go work out on Monday. Look how it's letter C. Got to do it again. Some, some of y'all are just catching that it's on there twice. You see? Now, giving faithfully is what makes giving work just like at the gym. So let's hit these real quick, and then I'm going to give you some other practical things that we're done. You learning something, Master Class? All right. So again, if you don't give faithfully, you're cursed with the curse. End of discussion. The, the reason doesn't matter. Okay? But Bishop, I just got a lot of bills. That's why you have a lot of bills. Just that simple. But those bills, it's, it's amazing, though. You be, you be eating out, though. You be, you be shopping. Women be shopping. Women be shopping. You can't stop a woman from shopping. Nutty professor. Okay. Now, <laughs> in all of that, um, that, this is the bottom line. So if you want to not be under that curse, here's what God says. Um, now, let me go ahead and deal with a couple of things, too, because people say, oh, Bishop, but when the tithe came in, they were tithing grain and this and that and this and that. Originally, yes, because it was an agricultural society. When money was created, it quickly shifted into money. Abram, who was the first man to actually give a tithe, he tithed off of spoils, which was inclusive of money. The tithe existed before uh, the uh, Mosaic law or the laws of the Torah, 613 mitzvah of the Torah. So giving faithfully predates the law. Why is that important to know? Because people like to come up with all kinds of reasons. It's funny, though. They don't do that, like, with their mortgage. They don't do that at the car lot. They don't do that at the restaurant. They're like, they don't try to tell the person at the restaurant, but truth be told, actually, I pay food tax. And it's, I mean, like, you don't try to come up with a reason to get out of it. Why do you try to do that with God? Like, I think that's so ungrateful. Like, so he wakes you up takes care of you, keeps you safe, doesn't let stuff come against you, keeps your mind when you should lose it, keeps you from committing suicide, keeps you from giving up, keeps the car accident from killing you, and you want to fight him about giving to him? Boy, bye. (laughs) No, seriously, like, come on. All right, first 10% of all income types, the gross number, because the gross number is the earned number. Everybody got that? That's the tithe. It is the first 10%. It is not a tithe if Excel, Comcast, Providian, Sally Mae, DirecTV, Dish Network, whoever, Time Warner, my Dallas folk, AT&T, my Dallas folk. Whatever that's uh, they just said too. All right. Target, I think was what I heard. If they get it first, you have not tithed, you have tipped. Tithe is a first 10%. It's like if you get paid tonight, boom, as soon as it hit, I, I love giving. It is so exciting to me. Okay? So this isn't just something I'm teaching you. This ain't no hustle. These are God's words, okay? I love giving. Okay? All right, here's the offering. Offering is everything above that first 10%. Because in Malachi 3, I want you to grab that for me, Malachi 3. So you can see it was tithes and offerings. So it was more than just the tithes. Because some people say, Bishop, I tithe, but it just don't seem like it's working. Because that's not all he said to do. He said tithe and offerings. That's everything above that. Everybody got that? 
Right? The man of God, you say, wherever you rob me. And here's the other reason I don't like uh, when it comes to not giving. Like, there's a lot of things, you know, Eric, touching him, I'm a work in progress. But when it comes to giving, look at what the Bible calls it. It says it's robbery. So, like, to ask God for all this stuff, why'd you let this go? Why'd you let this And God's like, really? You robbed me. Like, you robbed me. No, robbery is different than theft. Theft is in secret. Robbery is in open. It's in the open. So, like, you walked up on God, like, like put it on your shirt and pretend like it's a, you know, a weapon or something. You, 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 the Bible calls it robbery. Back to the verse. It says, <clears throat> back to the verse, please, in Malachi. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You say, in what way have you robbed thee? In tithes, what? And offerings. See that? All right. So somebody might say, well, Bishop, I tithe. Right, but you're not doing the other portion. See, tithe is one paddle. Offering is like another paddle. In a paddle boat, if you do one paddle, what you going to do? Go in circles. Round and round you go. It's God's son. Go Google it. Go Google it, son. Go Google it. All right, all right, <laughs> I'm just giving you that. All right, then the offering is like the other paddle. So if you put them both together, what are you doing now? Going forward, for progress. That's everything above that. And Luke 6, 38, somebody says, well, no, that's right, Bishop. I give a $2 offering every two weeks. And, 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 and I'm not knocking it down, okay? But here's what I'm saying. Luke 6, 38 gives us the, the rate of exchange for that, okay? Give and it will be given unto what? You. How? Good measure. How? Press down, shaking together, running over. <laughs> Will it be put into your bosom? Watch this. For the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you need to see increase greater than $2 in your life, then that offering is going to need to be commensurate to what you want to see. See, you got so many big things happening for you in your banner year. It ain't time for $10 offerings, nothing against it. It ain't time for $20 offerings, nothing against that. It's time for you to say it's some banner year offering time. And I'm a living witness because this is a principle I practice. Whenever I want to see something big happen, I lay a big offering down. It's a principle I practice. Whenever I want to see something big, I got some big stuff. I'll be like, okay, sir. But I got some big obstacles that look like they're coming in front of me. Like, okay, sir. Boop, there it is. Now let my offering go fight for me. Because Malachi says that he'll be the Lord of hosts when I give. Which means he's the God that fights for me. He's the God of angel armies. I got to move because I got to finish. Taz, offerings, then say first fruit. First fruit is the first hole of an increase. So let's say you get a million dollar raise on your job. You received it. Praise him. Okay? So you get a million dollar raise. And let's just say it's paid as an annual raise. Right. So that whole first million is the first fruit. Okay? See that? Okay? Now, let's do something a bit more practical. See, you should have said that is practical for me, Bishop. See? <laughs> All right, that's fine. All right, let's say you get a, you know, $100 a month raise on your job and you're paid monthly. First hundred bucks is the first fruit because it's the first of that increase. 
Everybody got that? Okay, now all this is available online too. I've told you this before. Now, <clears throat> so that's the first fruit. So tithe, come on, say it with me. Tithe, then we got the offering. The first fruit's like a motorboat. Like, and you go forward. Now, Nehemiah 12, 44, I want you to see this. And there's one more type of offering I want you to see. And, uh, and then we're going to move into some more pragmatic things. You learning something at Masterclass? All right, good, I got to wrap up. Got to wrap up, got to wrap up. Um, <clears throat> Nehemiah 12, 4. At the same time, some reported over the rooms of the storehouse, this church, for the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes. You see these three separate things? See these three separate things, church? Now, there's another type of offering that you hear, uh, that you hear talked about in, in church, and that is the uh, love offering. And there are several scriptures um, that address that, but I want you to actually see uh, the love offering. I want you to see it in action. Can I show it to you in action? All right, go to uh, 1 Kings. Go to 1 Kings. And um, I want you to go, let's go to 1 Kings, let's get to chapter number 17. just want you to see this in option. You learning some, church? Yes, All right, let's go to chapter number 17. Now, you've heard me tell this story before, <clears throat> and uh, in this particular thing, you'll see this principle very clearly. 1 Kings 17, verse uh, number 9, verse number 9. All right, one, two, ready, read. So he's talking to Elijah. Elijah is the man of God. Verse 10. Okay, stop right there. Leave that up. So the man of God, God tells the man of God to go to see a widow at Zarephath. So she is a woman that is a single mother, that is a widower, and this is, her, this is her financial condition. Her financial condition is so bad, look at what verse 11 says. Ready? Go verse 11. So watch this. She is in a bad financial place. Her and her son are in a messed up situation. The primary income earner is gone. She's exhausted the savings. She's in a tough financial spot. And the man of God doesn't just ask for a piece of bread. Go back to verse 10. He also says, and bring me some water too. Now, you know when your money is funny how your attitude is too? You can tell when some folks' money is messed up because, you know, just shalom. Shalom to you too. All right. Look at verse 12. So he said, so she said, go ahead, read church. Okay, just stop that verse real quick. So I want you to understand this. Leave the verse up. I want you to get the context here. What she's saying is she's saying, you ever, you ever heard somebody say, I swear to God. Now, for those of you who just got totally offended, God's not God's name. So, okay, just so we're on the same, same page there. All right, so you ever say, I swear to God, I put this on this person, this person, that person. I, I, I didn't do this, I do that. So because she knows he's a man of God because she sees his mantle. The Shamir, you see me. So she knows he's a man of God. So she's telling him, I swear to God, I do not have 
any bread. I want you to get the context. She says, I got some flour in a bin, some oil in a jar, and look, man of God, I'm gathering a couple of verse 13. I'm gathering a couple. Uh, uh, go back to verse 12. Go back to pre-verse. Excuse me. I apologize. Uh, and, and see, I am gathering a couple of. Next verse. Uh, verse 12 has got some disorder in it. <laughs> I'm gathering a couple of. Go to verse 13. All right. All right. Come on, verse 13. Come on, verse 13. Oh, there it is. Oh, there's two parts to 12. <laughs> Praise him. Sticks. <laughs> okay, now give me, give me 12B. Come on, church. Jesus. That I may go in and prepare it for myself and me and my son that we may eat it and what? Die. Her financial situation is so bad, she says, I don't have, I swear to God, man of God, I do not have any bread. I got some flour, some oil, me and Steve and to eat and die. That, 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 that's my financial situation so bad. We're going to eat this meal and we're going to lay down and watch reruns of the Jeffersons and die. Now verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Bishop said to them, do not fear. Watch well, what he says. Go and do what you said you were going to do. He said, go, go, make, go, go, go make cake. He said, but watch this. But give me one from it first. Now, what did he say? But make me a small cake from it, what? First. And then he said, what? Bring it to me. Say love offering. And that's several places I could have taken you through. The New Testament, there's several scriptures. I wanted you to see it here because I wanted you to see the miraculous power of it. Okay? So not only this is a love offering, but he demands the first one, which then also makes it a first fruit. And bring it to me, and afterward, then you and your son can eat. Imagine her attitude. This was North Africa. So you had lots of different cultures converging in the area. But, but, but I'm pretty sure when the man of God said, look, baby girl, darling, I hear what you're saying. Make me a cake, bring me mine first, then you and Steve can eat. This, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day Lord sends rain on the earth. He says, listen, if you sow this, everything's going to be fine in your life. And rain's going to hit your life. And when rain hits your life, you ain't going to have to worry about it because when rain returns, remember, there's also a famine going on in the land at this time also. Okay. So she has no way to produce new income. It doesn't tell us what she does, but evidently the famine affected what she did. Verse 15. So she went away. You say it, church. The bishop. And she and he and her household ate for many days. 
Here's my question. Who are the other people in the house she didn't mention she wasn't even trying to feed? You missed the church. It didn't say her and her son. It said her and her household, which meant there were some other folk in the house that benefited from her obedience. I'm gonna tell somebody that it's some folk she wasn't even trying to feed that her obedience in her offering got fed. It's some folk in your life that, y'all not saying nothing. Just your neighbor say, when you obey, everybody in the house gets blessed see that's why your company's doing so well because you obey that's why your office is doing so well because you obey verse verse 16 the bin of flour was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry dry excuse me according to the word of the lord which he spoke by elijah see the power see the miraculous power of this love offering thing so, so watch this. Bishop, when should, I do, when should I sow that type of love? You should do it all the time, but especially when you're in a tight financial place. Because that, and there's several scriptures I've taken to you. I gotta, I'm running out of time, so I've got to go. But, but there's several examples of this throughout the scripture where God used this, and you see this exact same thing happen. Her and her son and some other folk were planning to die. She wasn't even going to try to feed them. But the book says, when she sowed, this was a love offering, and in this case, it was a first fruit. When she did that, it ended up creating a miracle for her. T- touch the name. Says a miracle in your hands. All right. Now let's let's wrap this up. Y'all learning church? That's tithe offering, first fruit, love offering. Now to stop surviving financially, we're back on our outline. Stop being emotional about your money, and that starts with you giving big so you can reap bigger. Okay, it's just God's way of doing it. Church, we're down on D, folks. It's, it's just God's way of doing it. it Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous soul will be made rich. Uh, and he who waters will also himself be watered. Now, say the generous soul, the generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will himself also be watered. All right, so that's important to understand. Because what does the Bible say? Got real quiet. To me, I was looking at the screen like you're confused. I just told you. Proverbs 11.25. Go ahead and read it. The generous soul will be what? Made rich. So then watch this. God's way is this. When you're generous, generosity increases your capacity. He said the generous soul, mind, thoughts, will, and emotions will be made rich. He who waters will also be watered himself. Could it be that lack that's happened in your life has been because you've been treating God like somebody that hurts you? So you're like, you don't want to give to him because you're mad at somebody else. Question. E, not giving faithfully isn't a lack of faith, nor is it a lack of money. It's the love of money. And Haggai 1, it talks about how the people... When they have holes in their pockets, you can read it in your own time. They earn wages, they worked hard, they did all of these things, but as a result of their lack of giving and their lack of uh, their importance of keeping God first in every area of their life, they ended up experiencing great difficulty. And he says that they had holes in their pockets. Now, have you ever said to yourself, where does all the money go? Mm-hmm. Watch that. But watch this. Um, the reality of it is, is that the money, actually, let's look at that portion of that scripture there. It says, you've sown much and you bring in little. 
uh, you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, you're not filled with drink. You close yourselves, but ain't nobody warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages and puts them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple. And then I may take pleasure and be glorified. He says, look, you look for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? He says, because my house is in ruins. Now, God's principle here was God says, listen, you're not keeping me first. So why should I do anything to maintain what's going on in your house? You're not building my house, so why should I build your house? And isn't that reasonable? Like if a friend, all, you, anybody got a friend that the friendship is one-sided? Anybody got somebody in your life right now? Okay, let me just help you understand that. That is not a friend. I'm going to help you something. That's a leech. Okay? All right. All right, so it can't be one-sided. All right, now, so, so God says, you want me to do all this, but, but you're not giving me anything. And, and, and God says, so who, like, who would do that? You wouldn't do that. Like, you know, you know this can't be one-sided. Now, the uh, last two things I want to do, or last three things. Say credit. credit. All right, now, this is not, um, in, in MasterCast, we're not going to get too deep into this. Uh, but it is important that you know what's on your credit so that you can really move forward financially. All right? All right, now, touch the neighbor. Say, so you need to know what's on your credit. There are several, several different ways that you can find that information out and, uh, and get that. And I've taught on it before. And there's some resources that are available on Bishop's blog you can avail yourself to. So you know what's on your credit. Not knowing what's on your credit. And some people say, I don't even want to see it. You're crazy. You need to know what's on your credit. So I need to know what's on my credit. All right, so you've got to get your credit. You've got to see what's going on with your credit, and, uh, and you need to know what's happening with your credit. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into that other than to just tell you that there are three major credit bureaus. All right, there's TransUnion, Experian, also known as Satan, <laughs> and Equifax. <laughs> it's in the class, so a professor's writing gets sloppy. All right. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hey, hey. 